Today marks one year since the start or the continuation, depending on how you look at it, of the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. And um, it's it's being marked in any number of ways. There are certainly um, vigils and ceremonies that will be held all across Canada today and around the world. Um, we've got a lot of high-level meetings and a lot of statements being made by different governments, the United Nations, NATO, and EU, and, and all the rest, uh, and also announcements of more support for Ukraine and also more economic sanctions and other efforts at um, making life difficult for the Russians. The United States announcing another round of $2 billion in support, but also another round of sanctions. So that continues. Um, and I think that international involvement, of course, we've documented it from the very beginning. Not sure how effective it's been, uh, but I think it's helped. Um, but where does it go? And we've heard the U.S. president talking about, hey, we're in this right to the end. We're, we're not, you know, starting to change our tune on this. We're still resolute. Uh, let's chat with Matt Lebo now, who's a department chair and professor of political science at Western University about that and how important it is. Matt, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate your time. Hi. It seems today like we are sort of seeing a reset by a number of different, you know, international groups and the United States probably most vocally in terms of we're still in this, right? I, I mean, that seems to be one of the things that's happening on this anniversary. And I guess that's an important part. We know the United States has been in from the beginning and they're trying to send the message that we're not done. We're, we're still here, right? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, nobody expected this to go on for yeah. this long. And now it's sort of a reset that this could, this could continue for perhaps years. And so the to reset the public's expectations is part of, I think, what leaders are doing, um, you know, especially in the United States, that uh, there will be more and more aid that will be required, and um, uh, this won't end quickly. And we're seeing some polling, you know, done in different places, including the United States, where um, perhaps the public appetite for the continuation of that aid is not what it was when this started. Um, how does that fit into the calculations that are being made by Washington as they try and say, you know what, we're still in, but at the same time recognizing that comes was probably a little more political risk than it did before? Well, I think it has, you know, public support for um, uh, sending resources and weapons uh, to Ukraine. It slipped a little bit. Yeah. It's most um, most sharply splitting the Republican Party right now, and I guess that's that's the interesting part. Democrats are still very favorable towards uh, sending aid, but uh, Republicans are splitting, and sort of as a Republican primary is uh, beginning and as the field starts to take shape, you know, that's going to be a real central topic among the candidates. There will be some Republican candidates uh, who are, you know, aligned very much with Biden and, and what Biden's doing. They won't they won't describe it that way, but they, they will be. And then there will be some Republicans really more from, you know, the Trump wing, including including Trump, uh, that will be for cutting off aid, for negotiating peace on you know terms that Russia would be quite happy with. And so that's where, where it becomes political, um, is, is starting with the Republican primary. Um, so, like you say, it's more of an issue within the Republican Party. Does it affect Biden at all? I mean, or is he sort of, he's got the license from within his supporters to continue with what he's been doing? I think he's got, you know, another year uh, that he's insulated from this. Um, he's, he, it, it seems to me he's running for re-election, and if he's running for re-election, he won't have much competition, and this won't affect him um, in primaries. If, if he's running, he probably won't have much competition. And so um, 
it, it won't have an effect until we start looking at okay the the general election of 2024 and and uh, how vi- you know different um, possible Republican opponents are framing this to voters and and you know elections there are decli- are decided by so few people that uh, yeah this is a this is potentially an election swinging. Uh, issue, but that is a, a long ways off. In terms of why it's important and the job that, you know, we see Justin Trudeau and, and Joe Biden trying to make the case that it's important that our country stay involved. Uh, the Prime Minister, for example, yesterday saying the consequences of Canadians not standing with Ukraine, the world not standing with Ukraine right now, could be devastating for the entire planet. That's why Canada and our allies will continue to stand with the people of Ukraine for as long as it takes. Is it being framed as, in the same context in all of our allied nations, including the United States? Are they are they saying, you know what, we're at risk because of this? Or is it sort of what's happening in Europe is happening in Europe and not necessarily something we need to do, but we have a more obligation to do um i think a lot a lot of countries are seeing it as an existential threat okay and you can see that sort of in the expansion of nato um, other european countries rushing to join nato and to strengthen uh, the ties within uh, nato that if ukraine should fall to russia that uh, you know that it can't go any further than that but um you know ukraine has deep ties with um their neighbors uh, to the west and so you know it's still a domino that they don't want to see uh, that they don't want to see fallen so yeah maximum support that they can do with uh, the united states wants to give as much support as it can without escalating the conflict right. and that's i think that's been the struggle all along that's been a fine line for them to walk we know that they're going to increase their support they're also going to increase sanctions matt um that's gone on right from the very beginning united states leading the charge on that right from the beginning is there any way of knowing how effective that has been and we know there's you know billions more will be slapped on today um that are they having the effect that it's hoped they would that's a really tough question i guess you know you can look at the economic effects of it. Those can be measured, and, and this is costing you know hundreds of billions of dollars to Russia. Those sanctions and the entire European energy market has shifted away from Russian oil, perhaps permanently, and that's you know, that's a big impact. In terms of has it impacted the war? Well, the war's still going it on. Is, yeah. uh, Putin has not been overthrown from within, and so you know that's that's what the real effect is supposed to be, and you know. The, you can't look at the situation now a year on and say that they've that they've had that effect. No, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we'll continue to talk about this as it does go on, because there is no end in sight at this point anyway. So, Matt, thanks so much for your insight. As always, I appreciate it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.